Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. You don't live in Cleveland. Hello and welcome to episode 81 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that is mere days away from finding out if the Bengals will select Joe Burrow with the number one overall pick in the NFL draft or if there will be riots throughout the streets of Cincinnati after they trade down for more picks. We've had two draft-centric episodes, one with our very own draft panel and the other last week with Dave Lapham. And this week we have our final draft preview episode featuring none other than Joe Goodbury. And he'll be coming a bit later, but in the meantime, I'm joined by the virtual to my pub night, the webcam to my strip show, and the trying to get your elderly parents to understand what Zoom is and how to use it. It's Nathan Palmer, everybody. Hello, Nathan. Hello, my son. Um, it's slightly odd opening to the episode with elderly parents and strip shows in the same sentence, but um, nothing, nothing too unusual for this podcast, I suppose. Well, I'd take whatever I can get these days in lockdown, to be honest with you. <laughs> How have you been, my son? You all right? Yeah, good. Looking forward to the draft. It's mere days away. It's been, I mean, normally the draft would be centre of attention. It still is for lots of NFL fans, but I think the whole lockdown and the whole situation has sort of taken the edge off in terms of what we're talking about do you know what i mean yeah it's about i mean like i said on the last couple of episodes it's unusual because it's just about the only sporting event in any capacity that's going to take place or has taken place for the last about two months or so so um it's going to be very very interesting i suppose uh, i suppose to see what people's appetite for it is i mean are you going to be staying up for it on i know in the uk it comes on about I think it comes on about one thirty in the morning if i'm if i'm right and obviously you know picking first barring a crazy trade back the Bengals should be over and done with quite quickly so are you staying up my son I am yeah did you get I mean a lot of Bengals fans got the email from the Bengals themselves they're going to be doing like a pre-draft show Boomer's going to be on there and uh, Sam Hubbard and a few other people so uh, I'll try and get onto that if I can but um, in this age of lockdown we are kind of finding new ways to communicate and I think you know this this whole kind of virtual um draft these virtual draft shows and virtual this and virtual that um is a really good way to kind of connect fans uh, anyway full stop whatever the circumstance so you know you, you would hope that some some of these initiatives and how people are being creative with communication might actually last uh, once lockdowns are lifted and and kind of uh the virus kind of dampens down a little bit yeah, I mean, definitely 100%. Um, just on the draft, I think it's going to be a really interesting um, like interesting viewing from a television and production standpoint. I'm really intrigued to see, you know, how they manage to, you know, for the whole thing from the draft picks to, you know, having camera crews around the country at different analysts' houses and how they're able to sort of like, you know, um, sort of bounce off each other in terms of chemistry and stuff when they're not together and just how that's, you know, the whole thing um, is going to be played out. Because I can imagine from a production standpoint, it must be a real headache um, having to put this all together within sort of a sort of six-week time frame, I suppose, um, from when, you know, this is all kicked off. So it's going to be really interesting, I think. I'm not sure what we're going to see um, in four days' time. No. I mean, are they going to be coming live to your living room, do you think? 
Well, I mean, I, I know that um, Fox have been in touch, and there's a couple of <laughs> NFL Network as well. But yeah. we're gonna have to see. We're gonna have to see. I mean, you and you Colleen know. Wolf could do a little something on webcam, uh, can you? Colleen and I, I think, uh, you know, we've got some good chemistry there, so we might be looking <laughs> to um, do a bit of analysis. Um, uh, you've had a birthday, haven't you? I have indeed. Yes, I am. You turned twenty-five. I've entered my thirties now. Wow, and how how does the thirties feel? Um, yeah, it's a bit. It's one of those things, isn't it? Like when you're thirty, all of a sudden, it's like if you were on like a sort of backpacking trip or something, and you you met some like a group of nice girls or something, and like they were a bit <laughs> younger and they were travelling, and they said, "How old are you?" If you say you're twenty nine, you're still in that bracket. Do you know what I mean? Like you're still For sort what, of what like, exactly? Well, you're in your twenties, isn't you? It's like oh, he's in his twenties, like cool. But when you're like, oh, I'm thirty. Like, it's like, oh, God, like, don't know. <laughs> you make me I... feel really old now. Like, <laughs> I can bet... Be... Can... You? You're nearly 50, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm 47, so it's like, if I met a, a young group of 20-something <laughs> women on holiday, I think they'd call the police if I started talking to them. But, um, yeah, so don't keep on about, oh, I feel so old now. I can barely remember my 30th birthday. And I've got a feeling that you will remember your 30th birthday because... Uh, it occurred uh, in crazy times. Yeah, it'll certainly stick with me. That's for sure. Did you have a nice, all right time? Yeah, I got on. I got that. You know, that I've been banging on about my like mini keg rate that I've got. I've yeah. uh, went through sort of a good, you know, solid amount of drinks from that. Um, did a massive quiz with some friends online that was good fun. Um, played a bit of poker. So it's been a good weekend. It's been all right. Yeah, great. Well, happy birthday to you, my friend. And. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's a crazy time, isn't it? A crazy time. Um, we before we get to Joe, we've got a little bit of news to get through. Uh, the Bengals have carried on their signing spree. They've signed the running back Jacques Patrick. Well, no, that's not. I want to say it like Pat, Jacques Patrick, but it's not. It's, it's Jack Patrick France in France. Um, but he played for the Tampa Bay Vipers in the XFL, and the Bengals have snapped him up. And I couldn't tell you what he's like at all. No, he's from he's a per, like best friends with Alden Tate, isn't he? I think he went to Florida State um, with him, uh, and I think he played fairly well in the XFL. So probably just a camp body, but you know we'll see. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's been sort of speculation now that Geo might be done for. Um, you know, we've got where are you reading that from? Again, just the internet and um, <laughs> just people, no real sources. Um, but it just it does make you think though a little bit I think because Trayvon Williams is there and Roddy Anderson will hopefully be recovered but his injury record is you're, you're shocking. Starting, you're starting some dodgy rumours on this podcast. You came on a couple of weeks ago saying Sean Williams is going to be cut and you heard that on the internet. Now you said Gio is going to be cut and then all our listeners are going to be going spreading the news around. Well, as, then, as Bengal like, UK group members will know, I'm I'm known for spreading dodgy rumours. So absolutely, um, <laughs> you, you can tell the story if you want. You can tell it. So yeah, go on. I'll tell. I was going to say I didn't know if you wanted me to. So Paul works in the, the journalism in the, the journalism industry. That's not the right way to say it, but yeah, we'll yeah, go with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he came out a couple of weeks back on the private message Twitter group we've got. And said, just an inside tip, I've been tipped off that um, Prince Philip has died. He's passed away. Um, they're putting together some news pieces at the moment. I've been asked to put together something really urgently, you know, quickly to get, we can put it out as soon as it's announced. So we're all sat there like, wow, this is big news. You know, it's the Queen's husband. 
um you know we're all like oh, i can't believe it i'm telling rosie i'm texting my mates you're like don't don't say anything to anyone so i'm like all right i've called my dad i'm like oh it's mad <laughs> don't got tell inside... anyone but i'll call my dad <laughs> <laughs> so i got this insider tip off and then you were like yep yeah, it's gonna come on the news at 7 p.m they're just waiting so i was like all right cool so i'm sat on the tv quarter to seven gets to seven nothing <laughs> and then nothing happens at all not dead at all absolutely fine and i got an absolute grilling from everyone who had gone and told everyone else so <laughs> as a news source i can't trust you anymore my son yeah I, I, I yeah that wasn't my f- proudest moment but i was told i was asked to do it and and my editor said, you know, get ready for a big seven o'clock State of the Nation address and all the rest of it, or I think it was seven. And um, and it didn't happen. So, and it's still fake, not happened. Fake so. spread of royal deaths. Unbelievable. So that's something I didn't exactly. know you Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, not my proudest moment. But there we go. You know, I was only acting on Intel and doing what I was told. So, you know, what can I do? So we're going to see it. Sit here eagerly and see what happens to Sean Williams and Giovanni Bernard. That you have, uh, you've basically, sealed their fate. If I cut. if I say that someone is going to be cut, basically take it that they're going to be around on the roster for the next two years. Basically, you, that, that's what it means. Extension imminent. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In other news, Stephen A. Smith is being a complete and utter f- idiot again. Uh, so we don't need to give him any more oxygen. The usual anti-Bengals guff that comes streaming out of his stupid Gosh. shouty mouth um and uh willie anderson willie anderson uh soon surely soon to be hall of fame uh right tackle uh started his own instagram live show um and i do recommend it because uh, the first show that i tune into he had tj Hushmanzada, friend of the podcast you know um he had tj on for three hours and they just chatted like the old mates that they were and it was brilliant it was absolutely fantastic three hours it's a marathon isn't it there yeah absolutely and i think i haven't checked today actually but I just remember i think he had to T- keo spikes on um last night but um the, the tj chat was really interesting because um you know he was like why didn't we win we had that t you know we had the team set up to win that that year in 2005 and of course we did the watch party with um, uh, the Bengals and uh, Steelers from 2005 last week and that was fantastic and uh, uh, he also said some really interesting things about John Ross and um, Joe Burrow and said that he's been working out with Joe Burrow and not once had they mentioned the whole kind of going to Cincinnati question they just got on with their work and TJ said he was fantastic and this guy's ready to start straight away basically yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I want to sort of temper excitement just for the next four days, but I think it's going to be a really fun time to be a Bengals fan um, based on the stuff I've been hearing and watching. So, yeah, let's see let's see what happens. Absolutely. And TJ said, uh, has also been doing some work with John Ross, and and again, he said, look, this, guy, this, this, this guy's electric, and it's just a matter of confidence. It's just a matter of getting it getting him straight in the head and you know this guy will be a success you know but uh, I would kind of say that time is kind of running out for John Ross a little bit really 
Yeah, there's no doubt he's got it all there. I mean, you look at that game at the start of the season against Seattle where he's just absolutely electric. He's got, you know, the speed. He's got the athleticism. He can go up and get the ball. Like, he's just got to stay healthy and he's just got to, um, you know, cut out the errors and just be a little bit more consistent. If he could be, I mean, if he could really get it together, and I wouldn't mind betting that he'd have a fair chance of it um, this year being his sort of final sort of contract year. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens there. But there's absolutely no doubting um, the talent. It's just harnessing it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as we spoke about early, you know, people are doing some fantastic things online. So if you are at a loose end, which I guess everyone kind of is to some extent, um, it's worth finding Willie Anderson on Instagram. And it's also worth tuning into Ken Anderson's new live show on YouTube on Wednesday nights. I think it's about 10.30 uh, UK time. Last week he had one of the Lachey brothers on. Uh, but it was so good to see Ken quaffing on his red wine in his little study there. And I think this week uh, Dave Lapham and Zach Taylor are on. So that's kind of... Go and find Ken... And I think it's the Ken Anderson Alliance. We'll be retweeting it on our Twitter feed. Um, you know, the Orange and Black Insider are doing some good work. Lindsay and Tyler Dragon on the uh, Bengals Beat podcast are doing some good stuff. We're doing some good stuff. I uh, can't wait to tell you who our guest is next week, but I'm not going to because it's going to be a surprise. Um, and also I can kind of say we're planning, for in terms of Bengals UK draft coverage, we're going to be producing sort of Cincinnati minis. Um, mini natters, I think we'll call them. And... Uh, so yeah, we're we're going to be doing sort of little fifteen-minute reaction pieces each morning, straight after the draft, about nine o'clock each morning. Um, and we've got some videos coming up, which should be good fun. So do stay locked and uh, tuned in, or whatever DJs say, uh, because we've got it all going on next week. As I say, we're going to be rolling out uh, three podcasts: one for the Friday morning, one for the Saturday morning, and one for the Sunday morning. Um, just like reaction pieces then we've got another podcast on monday the 27th so it's all go madness son isn't it you know we're going to be um clocking up the hours aren't we absolutely yeah it's uh it's, it's i'm looking forward to it, man i'm really in, in many ways i'm looking forward to round two but mind you someone yeah. more than anything but someone mentioned it's like what if the bengals trade up back into the back end of the first round it's like oh my goodness i could be up till like five in the morning on on, yeah, uh, no, I don't think many people are, are, are thinking that will happen, are they? I mean, it's always possible. You never know if there's someone, you know, a particular prospect they are desperate to get their hands on. Um, they might be willing to sort of, you know, jump up a couple of spots to get him. Um, so we'll have to see. But what one thing I just wanted to talk about really quickly, and I thought was quite funny this week, uh, on the subject of, like, you know, Stephen A. Smith and the sort of um, talking media. Did you see Mel Kuyper go absolutely bizarre? Well, that was the counterpoint was to uh, the antidote to Stephen A. Smith. I mean, I didn't realise Mel... Apparently Mel Kuyper and Duke Tobin's dad have a bit of a history. Uh, <laughs> and Mel Kuyper doesn't have any particular love for the Bengals, but he absolutely went nuts, didn't he? Oh, mate, I literally, I thought the geezer was going to, like, you know, bust a nut. He's going absolutely mental, the geezer. He was shouting. Like, he was, honestly, it was just really, like, you got, if you haven't seen it, you got to watch it. I was absolutely loving it. Oh, it was brilliant. And it really gets you pumped up, doesn't it? Because yeah. every word he says was true. You know, the Bengals yeah. have not had a history of failing quarterbacks. Every quarterback that's been at the Bengals, more or less, 
apart from say Gus Farot or Neil O'Donnell or whoever. But you know, everyone from sort of Greg Cook, unfortunately he was his career was curtailed by injury. Then Ken Anderson played pretty much the whole decade. Then it was Boomer for almost, you know, six, seven years. Then Jeff Blake for four or five years. And then we got into the Carson Palmer era. And then we went on to the Andy Dalton era. So the whole idea that the Bengals ruin quarterbacks is, as Mel Kuyper said, complete nonsense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well said. I mean, like you said, any like proper start we've had, you know, take out like your John Kittners and your sort of... Um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's and sort of people that have, you know, played a bit here and there. The actual, like, long-term starters have been very, very successful. I mean, you've got guys in there, as you mentioned, you know, Ken Anderson should should be in the Hall of Fame, but, um, you know, there's arg- people are making arguments that Carson Palmer could be in the Hall of Fame. And it's a really good quarterback. I mean, Andy Dalton, there's some fantastic success with us. And, you know, if he stays here or he goes elsewhere, you know, I'm sure he'll continue to have success. So, you know, people have made really good careers in Cincinnati, and it, there's absolutely nothing to suggest at all um, that if Joe Burrow is the next quarterback of the Bengals, that he'll be in any way restricted or you know put in an environment where he's not able to succeed. Absolutely, and as we all know, the Bengals like to pay their own. They made Carson Palmer the highest paid, if not the highest paid player in the league, certainly the highest paid yeah, quarterback yeah. in the league for a little while. So. Again, this whole idea that the Bengals ruin quarterbacks is just utter nonsense. Anyway, one, one last thing for you, Sam. We've got yeah. like, over, like a couple of minutes. Just this is a random topic, but I'm yeah. just going to throw it out there because you know this is we're not going to talk about much else in the draft at the moment. So I'm going to do one little bit. Does it concern you that we won two games last year? Uh, we still don't really know what we've got in Zach Taylor, an incredible guy, and you know, no doubt. But in terms of an actual leader, play caller, coach, does it worry you that we only won two games last year? We're going to have a rookie quarterback coming in. Are you concerned that actually, you know, this might be tougher than we think, and it's not just going to be rosy red when we hopefully do take Joe Burrow number one overall? Um, it's a good question, really. I I'm behind Zach. I know some people aren't, but I am. Uh, just because I think his hands were tied last year considerably. You know the fact that uh, they started very late. Their obviously evaluation process of the roster was well. They couldn't really make a full evaluation. They were straight into the. Uh, you know they hired coordinators late and they went straight into the combine and then the draft and then suddenly I don't think certainly the players signed in the last off season um, weren't Zach's players uh, most of the team is still Marvin's team um, you know I, I think by the end of the year Zach knew what he got what he needed and obviously they've been very aggressive in free agency no doubt because of Zach Taylor Um so yeah, it's up to him. It's a big year for him and Brian Gallan. They, you know, I don't think they had the players to uh, instigate the offense and the scheme that they wanted last year. There were too many injuries um, and too many players who just didn't fit. I think this year is going to be really interesting, and obviously, I hope that uh, things fall into place because there's no reason why they shouldn't. You know, he's a bright guy, uh, but there were a few warning signs last year. I think you know his sort of attitude on. Um, third and fourth and short for instance there's some head scratching plays and play calls last year um but then again you have to look at the improvement as the year went on so i saw enough improvement even though we weren't winning games but in performance that um said to me that if he can get the right players in then we're going to be okay
Yeah, well said. I mean, I think it's just an, the reason I say it is I think when an off season comes around, yeah, people quite quickly, you know, it's a long off season in the NFL can sort of forget and you know forget how things were last year. And I think you know things did improve. I agree with you, but there was definitely you know there was some fans out there saying you know I think he should go. He's too inexperienced, etc. Now I think it's far too early to take that narrative. And I think last year with all the circumstances and the late arrival of some coaching assistants and. It, you know, the injury is it being his first year that you have to give him a pass on it. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting, you know, year one, if we if we have got Joe Burrow starting there, how that works. Because, you know, anytime you integrate a rookie quarterback, there's growing pains. You know, we were extremely lucky when Andy Dalton came in with AJ Green that, you know, we made the playoffs that season. I mean, really, that doesn't get enough credit um, about how difficult that was for Marvin Lewis to basically just install this new quarterback in the second round as well. Um, then AJ Green and just take a team that I think most people were predicting to be the worst in the league to the playoffs. So we got very lucky that time. But this time with Joe Burrow coming in, hopefully, um, and Zach Taylor sort of, you know, jury very much out, um, you know, on what, what he's bringing to the table. So it's, get, it's certainly going to be interesting sort of meshing those two, um, two people together with very limited NFL experience um, and see what we get out of it. Well, there we go. That's all to look forward to. But uh, here's something to look forward to. We're going to bring in our special guest now. And as promised, we're joined by the king of the internet. He writes for The Athletic. He's got thousands of followers. He co-introduces, I should uh, give props to Jake here, he co-introduces the Locked On Bengals podcast, which since the last time we spoke, it soared to new heights, is, is now like one of the most popular NFL podcasts in the States. So we're delighted to say Joe Goodbury. Is back on Cincinnati for his annual appearance. Uh, how's it going, Joe? It's going as good as it can go, as uh, as we are in this time. But the, you know, the good part is we do have the NFL draft just a few days away, and that if that doesn't get you excited, well, then nothing will. Well, um, it's your Christmas. You've said it before, and you know this is when Joe Goodbury goes into overdrive. I I am genuinely afraid for you in these times, these okay. pre-draft times, because. I see so many people say on Twitter and tag you on Twitter saying, I've done a mock draft. What do you think, Joe Goodbury? How many of those tweets do you get a day? Oh, man, at the heights, maybe 70, 75 of them, I would say. Less than 100. But I don't know if that's putting it lightly. Whenever, uh, sometimes it's only like 20 in a day. Whenever I do a mock draft, people just say, that's terrible, forget it. Joe Goodbury, what do you think of this guy's terrible draft? <laughs> right, that's what it is. I don't, I don't know what to say sometimes, like... Should I give it a letter grade? Sometimes it's like two or three guys that I really like, and I think they know I like them. And then there's two guys that like I would not touch. Right. And so it's, I don't know B, and then they're mad. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, start charging Joe. Charge five dollars to grade it. You know, right. people would send their drafts to you, and you can monetize it a bit. I think they would hate that if I was. I, I think I'd be a hard, harsh grader. <laughs> I'm going to start putting my breakfast options before you on Twitter each day and ask you what you Ooh. think on of that instead of drafts, I think. Um, I, I would do that, by the way. You send me your <laughs> breakfast options. I'll, I'll choose what I think tastes good. To be honest, my lockdown diet at the moment is chocolate for breakfast, noodles mm. for brunch. and it, it, it's supposed to. Be, I'm supposed to be eating healthy, but for some reason I think it's like christmas every day do you know what i mean oh i know what you mean yeah i cinnamon roll for breakfast this morning for me okay all right well before we get into it uh, as regular listeners will know you know we joe's been good enough to come on to this podcast several times before uh, around draft time and i like to do something a little bit musical to not musical but daft 
audio related to introduce him because um, we do love having Joe on and um, this is this year's instalment this is what I've come up with this year and it's it's based around a well-known comic book character who I know that you love and okay. um, it's kind of um, how I imagine you sitting down immediately after a Bengals season is finished and then going through the draft process and then just full of optimism okay okay all right here we go i know what it's like to lose reality is often disappointing that is it was i am trying to undo something the universe required correction it's my destiny it nearly killed me but the work is done perfectly balanced as all things should be now reality can be whatever i want and now it's here or should i say i am There we go, that's Thanos, <laughs> a.k.a. Joe Goodbury, sitting down and working through his mock draft process uh, from the end there of the is, season. You know, there's a lot of truth to that in terms of uh, how the season went. It was very uh, rough, and but the goal quickly became apparent. I mean, I think for most people, right, it, mm. it was, uh, okay, we got to finish this thing off. You know, we've got to lose in, in order to win. Absolutely. And, uh you know, it, it culminated in that Week 16 game to the to the Dolphins, and it, at times it felt like, it, you know, early it was it was a battle to get every fan to understand and and to realize what the goal was, what the prize was at the end, and and sometimes sacrifice. You know, the, only the strongest wills can do it, as Stano says. Mm. And uh, here we are now. Reality can be what we want it to be. So where are we, Joe? I always ask this: Where the hell do we start with this? I think uh, enough words have been spoken on Joe Burrow. Uh, it's I, you know, me and Nathan are kind of certainly around the ninety-five percent mark that uh, they're going to mm. take Joe Burrow. Um, so we don't need to talk about him. I don't think uh, because enough words has already been talked about um, for Joe Burrow. But to me, that second round is really interesting. And I don't know if you heard Dave Lapham on our podcast last week uh, talk about the. He wouldn't be surprised if they traded down and then he gave mm. us some names like Kalevon Chason and he loved him and uh, some other linebackers like uh, Kenneth Murray and uh, and Zach Bourne and all those kind of guys. Um, what's, your, what's your hunch what might happen in that second round area? I think whenever you're picking at that spot, it's a very advantageous situation and maybe this year more than most uh, because you'll have... 12 hours plus to make your decision, right? You, yeah. you'll, sleep, you'll sleep for a few hours, any same person would, but then you'll be able to reset the board, you'll be able to take calls all day, debate maybe the top five guys that are on your board. And I think the idea for the team that's picking 33 is that there's a first round guy still there. Yeah. And I think that's what every team dreams of having and, and probably all the way picking until the top 40, uh, you know, the next you know 10 picks or so in the second round hopes there's a first round guy still there. And if there is, it's hard to move back, but because you have that window of, of negotiation with teams and maybe uh, multiple teams jump in because they also have a first-round guy on the mm -hmm. board, 
you start to get um, offers that are above and beyond probably what you would would normally take. So I think that's why teams end up trading back from that spot. And that's why I think the Bengals could, because they have a lot of needs, not just for this year. And they did well in free agency to, to fill a bunch of those, but future needs, your needs for 2021 and beyond. And that's really how you should look at it when you draft. And because of those needs, they need more than seven picks. And they, I think it'd be huge for them to get, get another third, maybe a fourth and a fifth, you know, whatever the package is, I definitely see a trade coming down, but really it's going to be, as we sit Thursday night to Friday and say, okay, what does the board look like? And if there's a um, a first-round wide receiver still available, you take it, even though it's not the most pressing need. If there's a first-round corner available, I think it's going to be hard to ignore it. It depends right. on how many first-round guys are there and who is there. So you see that uh, pick 33 as, as purely, if they don't trade down, purely a, a, a best player available. Oh, I think it'll be hard not to be because it's, let's say you build your board and this is how the Bengals do it. They have uh, 1A guys, and those are the guys they expect to go in the top 10 or 12, right? Mm. Then they have 1B and 1C. 1B guys are guys they feel strong will go in the first round at some point. And then you got your 1C guys that should go in the first, maybe fringe guys may fall into the second round. And then you have your 2A, right? right. So if they're expecting 2A to be there at pick 33, which makes sense on paper, you get there and you're going to compare some, maybe there's a 1B guy still there. Maybe there's a, a handful of 1C guys still available. And then you've got your your 2A guys that you're originally targeting. I think it's hard to completely bypass the round difference of a grade to take the guys that you originally thought were going to be there at 2A. To you know, And you're going to look at a 1C versus a 2A. Well, you gave that guy a first round grade for a reason. And because you felt he was a better player, despite the need. It, it may be a linebacker at 2A that can come in and play and give you good minutes or it could be a tackle that's a 1C that's going to have to come in and compete with Bobby Hart and Fred Johnson, which mm. you know makes I, I think that's great. But they may see it as a situation where that guy doesn't play right away. And you graded them like that for a reason. You put one guy as a first-rounder, one guy as a second-rounder, because you felt that first-rounder will be better. And I think it would be hard for them to, to deny it. I guess the, um, the, the perfect draft pick would be a combination of best player available plus need... Yeah. And plus impact equals perfection, right? That would be the, yeah. the perfect combination. Uh, a lot of people are talking about linebacker as early as the second round. I remember uh, Jay Morrison, your athletic uh, colleague and a friend to this podcast. He, I think he came out quite early in the process, said the Bengals have got to draft a linebacker in the second round. Um, but seeing some of your tweets, I know that you and Jake did your big board yesterday. Um uh, you're not quite as high on people like Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen uh, that early. Am I right in saying? Yeah, and it's it's a, such a tough process. So the Queen and Murray pull me in different directions for opposite reasons. Number one, let's start with Murray because I think he's the consensus guy that'll go next after Isaiah Simmons. Um, Murray at Oklahoma, you know, that conference is a wide-open offensive conference they barely play any defense at all but when you get a guy that stands out you normally take notice and that's Murray most of the time uh, he's got the great size and athletic ability it's evident when you watch him you're like yeah I'll take that guy he looks like a freak he looks like he can do anything you ask him to do and then you say well what did Oklahoma ask him to do and yeah. it was really nothing it was shoot one gap and that's it and you know cover running backs into the flat cover tight ends into the flat uh, spy quarterbacks they didn't ask him to do anything in coverage really anything dynamic they didn't ask him to really do much as a as a run fitter it was mostly run gap defense and when you see him have to 
you know, read his defensive tackle and play off of it. He's terrible, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at like PFF grades and they give him a 59, I believe it was, in run defense. And this is a guy who doesn't have much in, in terms of uh, varying degrees of, of coverage responsibility. So what is he? He's an athlete. He's a projection. Uh, but like the analytics love him. They, they, his his production was high. He got a lot of tackles, a lot of tackles for a loss because he, he was good at what he was asked to do for the most part. And his size, speed, ratio, all that looks great. So the analytics say, if you like him on tape, take him. But I don't like him on tape. Right. So then you go to Patrick Queen, and I love him on tape. He mm-hmm. looks great. He takes on blocks. He, he, he knows how to defend the run. He got asked to do much more in coverage than Kenneth Murray did, and he was good at it. And he's also a good athlete. He's a little bit smaller. He's 229 pounds and 31 and a three eighths uh, or a, uh, and a half inch arm. So he's a little bit shorter than you want on or size wise. And then you look at his production because he started nine games. I think it is. He didn't start to week five. So his production scores are going to be lower and, and suggest that he's probably just a role player and number three type linebacker. And mm. that's kind of scary because you want to take that in round one. I, I compared it yesterday. I said if there was a, a league above the NFL. And they were drafting Bengals players. Patrick Queen has a profile similar to Darius Phillips, where when he's played, he's looked good. But is there enough film and enough data and enough, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, the production to say, I'm going to take Darius Phillips in the first round of this draft? You wouldn't. You, I mean, as, as Bengals fans, we like him, but we want to do that. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's very risky to do so. So those guys pull me in opposite directions. If I can combine them, they'd go top 10. They'd be Devin White from last year. So I think if one of them's there, it makes sense to draft him because – I think the consensus is that those guys would be really high uh, nationally for you know for the public, but I do think there is cause for concern for both of them, and I think day two and day three for this linebacker class is particularly strong. So you're talking about, I mean, Zach Bourne might last. I mean, Dave Lapham thought that Zach Bourne might go just from from who he's spoken to at the the Senior Bowl and, and around the league since that. Uh, Zach Bourne could go sort of late second round, mm-hmm. for instance. Yeah, uh, Bourne is interesting, real quick, because uh, he is more of an edge guy. He was a three-four yeah. outside linebacker for Wisconsin, and he rushed the passer really, really well. His production is was fantastic. I think nineteen and a half tackles for a loss, twelve and a half sacks. Just going off memory there, but he's two hundred thirty-eight pounds. And at the combine, he said he he put out as much water as possible. That's why he had that diluted sample. So what is he really? Two hundred thirty pounds? Right. Uh, you know that's scary. That means he's going to have to transition to linebacker. And if that's right. the case, I can see why teams view him as a late second, early third round pick, and that makes a lot of sense. So if the Bengals view him as a traditional linebacker, then yeah, he probably would be a later second, early third. And we've got. I mean, we've heard that the Bengals will be transitioning more, even though they showed some looks last year, more yeah. into three-four defense. So that kind of pass rushing uh, linebacker makes a little bit more sense. That outside guy, and you've got people like Joshua Uche, um, and then you've got Malik Harrison and Akeem Davis Gaither, Willie Gay. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. all those guys. We've heard they've been talking to Azure Kamara. Um, so who who are your kind of guys at the, the the top of the third to look out for? Would you say? Yeah, and it depends on what they want, right? Because like you said, if they go to a three four, and I I think that's the expectation. They only have three edge guys on the roster right now: mm-hmm. Carlos Dunlap, Sam Hubbard, and Carl Lawson. And none of them are great fits for it. I think Lawson Lawson is the most uh, worthy of the fit for a three four defense, but you can make it work because. Mm-hmm. Today's league is four down linemen. You're rushing the passer anyway. So it really doesn't matter too much. Uh, so 
do they need one of those guys? And I think they do. And do they need an inside linebacker to develop under Josh Bynes and potentially replace him in the nickel package? Josh mm-hmm. Bynes, while pretty good uh, for what he's done, is a rundown defender. You want to get him out of there in your nickel package. So can you find an athlete? Can you find a guy that's good in coverage right now to replace him in that package? Or is it a lot, Is it a safety? Is it Sean Williams, Vaughn Bell that are going to move down and play that play that role so I think there's a little bit of question still on how they'll do it and I think which linebacker they draft will enlighten us because I mean if you take a Kenneth Murray while he has the athleticism he doesn't have the coverage experience so it would tell us what they're going to do there I think it, as a developmental guy behind Bind. so let's go into third round then and look at linebacker and I'm pulling up my board now as I speak but uh third round guys I really like I do like Willie Gay Jr. And the issue with him, and while he's big, he's fast, he's he hits with power. He looks like Odell Thurman when you're watching him, mm. uh, because he, he's really, really good in coverage. He played five games last year, and he was suspended for cheating on a test. He punched his quarterback in the face, and you kind of go, "I can't have him punching Joe Burrow, can we? we <laughs> like, we can't have that happening." Yeah. So, uh, where does he go? I, apparently, he's impressed teams in in showing his character uh, through the combine and meetings, and teams are like, "Okay, he, he he's not a bad guy." Yeah. Uh, so he probably goes in round two. I have him graded as a guy that should probably go in the end of the first round. So. I don't, and that's the thing too. This year we may be way off on our projections. Mm. And if the Bengals take Willie Gay Jr. at 33, I'll go, huh, well, the grade makes sense. You know, it's just something we did not expect because we've been off this year without with less info than normal. Mm. So, other guys I, I really do like, two that stand out to me Logan Wilson mm-hmm. out of Wyoming. Uh, Wilson, the only issue with him is he's going to be 24 soon. I believe it's in the summer, July or August. But his production numbers are fantastic. He's really good in coverage, really good against the run. He's a clean, sure tackler. Uh, he tested well. I, I think Logan Wilson is a plug-and-play guy for who you want. And it to, If you're going to go out there with three linebackers, he can play. If you're going to go out there and nickel with Jermaine Pratt and who's the other linebacker, I think Logan Wilson fits. I think Willie Gay Jr. fits also as that coverage guy. And then I like Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Brooks only got to run his 40 at the pro at, at the Combine. I think a lot of these guys that were banking on their pro day to like do the other, the other tests um, aren't going to get – obviously didn't get that chance, and it's going to hurt them a little bit. But I think Brooks grades out like a guy that should probably go high second round. And when I watch him, he's physical downhill. He looks to me at times like I'm like, man, that's perfect reading the run. That's perfect in run fits. That's the way he comes down and hits with power. Mm. His reaction time and his anticipation are top notch. His coverage, a lot like Murray, you just don't see it. You just, he's a guy that's coming downhill, and they didn't ask him to do much in coverage at all. So he's a complete projection there. If he's there at the top of round three, though, you're all probably okay with that and saying, okay, he's going to develop with or behind Josh Bynes, who's on a one-year deal, and then take over the next year. And I think that's the situation they're in at linebacker. And there's a couple other guys that I do, like Malik Harrison uh, out of uh, Ohio State. It's very similar to Brooks, where he's a run defender first. These guys are all big and tested uh, very well. So I think that's why I've been aiming for them in that range. You mentioned Akeem Davis-Gaither. He's the smaller one of them. Played three, four outside linebackers. So he got to rush, I believe, 190 times last year. Mm. But he did get to drop into coverage also. He's the most athletic of that group. He reminds me of Telvin Smith, if you remember him from a bunch of years ago. Draft crush. He avoids blockers a lot like him where they can't get a hand on him because he's just too athletic. Uh, I think if he's he's had injuries too. So And the Bengals uh, know him from the senior bowl. But if he's still there in the third, I think there's a chance he could be there in the fourth, even though I like him a lot. I'd love to pull the trigger on that pick. Yeah, I, mean, I know you said, Paul, that we yeah, we shouldn't talk about um, Joe Burrow because a lot's been said. But I, I want to ask Joe a little bit about him and what he sees from him because I know that a lot of people in the UK, you know, sort of heard the hype around him. They've watched some of his games and they, they know he's athletic and he's a good passer. But, Joe, tell us what you think about Joe Burrow and what you, you know, from watching the tape, what you see from him and how you think his game 
uh, will transition to the NFL. I couldn't be any more excited as a Bengals fan and a and a enjoyer of football and quarterback play that that the Bengals have the number one pick and Joe Burrow is the guy in this draft because um, typically when you're looking for quarterback, you look first the size, the arm strength. You're like, okay, he's got those. Let's move on. Does he have the pocket presence? Can he function off script when things start to break down, when pressure starts to hit him? How's his accuracy? Uh, how's his deep ball? How's his intelligence? How quick to, quickly does he process? Uh, you know, how's his character and leadership? Though Usually you start with the physical ability and then you move on to try and check all those boxes. With Joe Burrow, he checks all of those secondary boxes, every single one of them at a high level. And then you go, well, he's just average size and average arm, to be honest. But, man, he's got everything else. And can you reconcile not having those those first traits? And then you look at the quarterbacks of the last 20 years, the best ones in the league, the Tom Brady, the Drew Brees, the Peyton Mannings. They sound like that guy, right, that, that wasn't a physically imposing person, but had every single thing you want that elevates the players around them and make them better. Uh, when you watch them on tape, there's not a flaw. There's not a game where, where you where you come away and say, well, there's there's an issue uh, here, or there's there's a there's a long stretch of bad play. There's not a quarter really where you go, you know, he may have one drive where uh, he missed the pass, and he comes back and he just slices up the defense. Uh, I think you got a guy that when he comes into the league, it's going to be one of the most accurate passers in the league, one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league, and for me. The NFL is getting such to be such a league where it's easy to pass, or at least the the completion percentage is rising, the quarterback rating is rising. I think last year was like a 93 average across the league. So if every quarterback is throwing, and I, that's not how averages work, but if every quarterback is throwing at a 93 quarterback rating, then who are the good guys? Who are the ones that are making the difference if everyone's playing at a, at a decent level? It's the guys that can create when things break down. It's the guys that can make plays when uh, when the offense doesn't call the right play, when the coach doesn't call the right player, or somebody messes up, a block is missed, something happens, what does that guy do? And Joe Burrow's going to walk into the league, I think, as a top five or six guy off script, meaning guy that can create and make plays. And, and we're talking like uh, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and then I think we're going to have Joe Burrow. And when you when you say that, it's like, whoa, okay, we've got something here. This team instantly, even as a rookie, Andy Dalton wasn't great last year, and we love Andy Dalton for the for the service he's, he's provided for the Bengals and the entertainment. But the upgrade should be evident very, very quickly. And a team that won two games last year, getting increased quarterback play or better quarterback play can instantly, we could be talking six, seven, eight wins. Joe, just we were just before you came on, Paul and I were talking about um, Zach Taylor and how it would look. Sort of, you know, you've got a rookie quarterback coming in. Um, Zach Taylor's only got a year under his belt, um, and after, you know, last year we can't forget, you know, two wins. Um, there's a reason we're picking number one overall. Does it concern you, Joe Burrow, coming into um, an unproven head coach with just a year's experience in the league as a head coach? For sure. Um, when you look at Andy Dalton, and like I just said, he had his worst year probably as a, as a pro. And that's scary because he's at least always been the Mendoza line, right? We've always known what to get out of Andy Dalton. Mm, yep. And all of a sudden he, he, was, he looked worse. And, and Zach Taylor couldn't get his quarterbacks to play uh, well at all. I mean, really for more than one, one, a game here or there, even Ryan Finley. A lot of people liked Ryan Finley as a prospect. He shouldn't have been the worst quarterback I've ever seen last year in his three games that he played. <laughs> So I do have some concern. A lot of times we talk about coaches that elevate the quarterback or help the quarterback, quarterback whisperers. After year one, the evidence says that Zach Taylor isn't that guy, but I think he was drafted because he can be that guy. So 
I think we're kind of hoping, and and he better be because you're drafting a guy number one. If he can't get it right, I mean, the for a Bengals team that has a long leash with their quarterbacks, it could get tight very quickly if he doesn't put the right offense around Joe Burrow. Hmm. Yes. Um, I mean, my excuse was I think uh, I wasn't as worried because of the injuries, and I don't think he had his guys in last year at all. And uh, but this year, this year is the year to properly judge Zach Taylor and Brian Callan. I think so. It's going to be very interesting. Who's uh, who's Joe Burrow going to be throwing to next year, uh, Joe? That's the question, isn't it? Because on paper it looks good. I mean, we're getting AJ Green, John Ross, Tyler Boyd on tape. Alex Erickson's a good fifth guy. I mean, I like Stanley Morgan as an undrafted guy, and they like Damian Willis. So, on paper, looks awesome. Let's roll. But, as we've known, the A.J. Green and John Ross have barely played together at all. Auden Tate and A.J. Green have never been on the field together. That's crazy, I mean, isn't it, it? Yeah, it's weird. And I think history says we should not trust that those guys will be healthy. We should. Ju- you can't do it again. You can't roll the same dice again and just hope it's going to be better this time because it typically isn't better this time from mm. our history of being Bengals fans. Sure. So I think when people, there's a lot of people still that push back at receiver and say, well, they don't need one. Look at these guys that they have. Yeah. They, I, if I was looking at it that way, I would agree too. But if you look at 2021 and beyond, you have Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate and that's it. And we've seen what the offense looks like when it's just Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate. And you really don't mm. have that speed anywhere. It looks like a bad passing offense. It's hard to get off the ground with that. And you're, we're talking about investing the highest resource possible at the quarterback position with the number one pick. You better invest in helping him and supporting him. Now, that may be offensive line also, but we're talking receiver here. And I think need at receiver is more prevalent than some fans want to admit. And I, there are some fans that, that believe in it. And I think the team is aware of it also. you got to understand, Zach Taylor has never seen A.J. Green on the field. He's out there five plays in practice before he got hurt last year, and that was yeah. it. Never yeah. got to see him again, really. Yeah. Uh, John Ross, while he was good in his spurts, is on the last year of his deal also. So what do you do there? Uh, I think they could potentially draft a receiver at 33, and if not, it could be 65. And if it's not, then it's 107. I think they're going to spend one of their top four picks at receiver. And this is a very, very good receiver class, but they are very defined as you got a few number one types, you got a bunch of contributing number two types, and then you got a that are like odd body possession, mm. deep play guys, and then you have um, you have a bunch of slot receivers. And I don't think the Bengals want a slot guy at all. So it cuts off a lot of these this 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 historic class. If you take out ten of them because they're slot guys, uh, I think the Bengals need to be precise in targeting where they go and get a receiver. Yeah, because I think from looking at the the receiver class and it is deep. But there seems to be, you know, you've got to know what kind of receiver that you want because there seems to be a lot of receivers in this class and they hit a whole bunch of different needs and different roles within the team. So, you know, as you say, you've got a bunch of speed guys, you've got a bunch of uh, slot guys. And you're looking at people like Judy, uh, C.D. Lamb and Henry Ruggs, they'll go first round. Mims, Jefferson, Rager, T. Higgins... Those sort of guys, are you expecting them to fall? Or, you know, will there be a run on wide receivers because people are taking notice of the hype for this uh, receiver class? I think there will be a run on receiver and tackle in the first round. Like if six guys of each position go, uh, don't be surprised. And I think that would be... I think the Bengals would look at it and say, man, that's a that's a bummer because we wanted one of those guys at 33 to fall to us, a first-round mm-hmm. graded guy. Uh, I, I can see a scenario, I, I don't know, you listen to like newer reports or rumors or, or whatever draft nuggets that are happening, and they say Denzel Mims should be there at 33. Mm. And that gets me excited because Denzel Mims, I think, would be the perfect guy to, to develop behind 
A.J. Green and be an X receiver um, and and be that outside guy. And plus, I think last time we saw A.J. Green, he was getting in the slot more. He was playing more Z receiver stuff, and uh, he was getting put in motion a little mm-hmm. bit more. And it was two years ago, but you know, I think they could use a guy that tilts the defense a little bit more. That was supposed to be John Ross. But he's on the field for if we're if we're lucky, fifty uh, percent of the time. Yeah, so, right. you know, I think they'd love a Denzel Mims. But this receiver class right there, if you're at thirty-three, Jalen Rager, a lot like right. Ross, but will go up and make a play on the ball and, and catch it and high point it, which is something that Ross struggles with. So yeah, yeah. I think Rager could end up going in the first round. I think Mims could go in the first round. Mims comes out very high for me. I think you got guys like Michael Pittman out of USC who is a more athletic version of Auden Tate which mm. is a good thing. There's a reason Tate went in the seventh round. He didn't test very well at all, but I think he looks more athletic on film than, than what he showed at that moment. Mm. Uh, I think you could also say that that's part of the reason why he just catches 50% of his balls is because he's in contested situations right. uh, constantly. And I think Pittman's a little bit more athletic than that and can provide an upgrade there. Is it a significant enough upgrade to pull the trigger at 33? I don't think it is. For me, I, I look at guys like T. Higgins out of Clemson. Yeah, I like Higgins, who, yeah. Yeah, he got compared to A.J. Green just on film. When you watch him, he is a long, lanky guy that moves unnaturally fluid for a guy that, that that's, that's that size. He's got good ball skills, good good deep play guy, averaged 19 yards per catch. And uh, I think when we look at back at the pre-draft process, because hey, there's been guys who have won the pre-draft process and guys that have lost or didn't make up any ground. Mm-hmm. Higgins has lost his. Denzel Mims has knocked his out of the park, and that's yeah. why he's talked about in the first round. But, but Higgins... If we go back to before all the pre-draft stuff started, I think we would have been happy to have him there at 33. And I think that's still a situation where if he's there, they could see him as the best player available. Um, and then you've got like uh, Brandon Ayuk and LaVisca mm-hmm. Shenault and yep. a bit lower down. You've got you know people like Van Jefferson and uh, Brian Edwards, who I think you're a fan of, aren't you? Oh, yeah. So, you know, we, we will pick someone up at some point, right? Yeah, of course. And that's the thing. You don't have to take it at 33 in this class. You, you, It's probably an okay bet to see who's there at 65 or 107. Yeah. Because if you're there, like a guy like Brian Edwards, let's take, for example, someone I love out of South Carolina, and he's a guy that's 6'3", 215, and when you watch him, he wins deep constantly. He's great in contested situations. Um, he's got very good hands, one of the, some of the best in the, in the class. Uh, big guy that moves pretty well for, for being that big. Kind of, this is going to sound crazy and people are going to get a little too excited, but he looks like Michael Thomas from Ohio State right, at right. times. And I'm like, man, those guys that are 6'3", 215 that move pretty well, it's a rarity with great hands like that that can win at all levels of the field. And Michael Thomas went in round two, and I think – Edwards could go there too, and the reason he, he probably isn't talked right at that spot right now because he was hurt, didn't get to go to the Senior Bowl, didn't get to run at the Combine. If he would have done all those things, I think he'd be very comparable to Denzel Mims, mm. and he may be there in the third or fourth round because of the injuries this year. How is that going to affect teams in their drafting because they haven't been able to bring these guys in for physicals to have their doctors check them out? We could see guys that are hurt fall two rounds. Mm. We could see a, a, you know a lot of weird things in this draft, and I would bet on hoping Edwards is there at 65. And if not, there are a few other guys that would really like Antonio Gandy-Golden uh, out of Liberty, 6'4", 233 pounds, big contested catch type guy. Um, I, I, You know, I, he's probably fourth, maybe fifth rounder. Right. It's going to get weird, though, after that, because then you have a lot of slot guys. You mentioned Van Jefferson probably goes in the fourth round. Mm. For me, I wouldn't touch him, and, yeah. and I wouldn't touch Van Jefferson because he's not, number one, he's a slot guy, but 
to me, people are hoping he's Tyler Boyd. But when Tyler Boyd came out, he was super young and very productive. Mm. And Van Jefferson is not that at all. For like breakout age percentile, Tyler Boyd was like 89 percentile. So he was producing at a super young age. Van Jefferson wasn't producing. His, his percentile is 15 percentile. Mm. Bengals won't draft that if you look at their history. They won't draft him based on his uh, breakout age and his production in college at receiver. So there's a lot of guys we can write off this receiver class. Duke Tobin just said this the other day when he was talking to media. He goes, if you start to look at the receiver class, it gets pretty thin quickly if you're looking for a certain type. And I think that's what he's talking about. There's a lot of guys that produced at an older age, and the Bengals typically don't draft those guys. Um, I just want to go quick on the offensive line. Uh, again, it's perceived by a lot of fans to be a real need, and mm-hmm. yet I've just got this feeling the team doesn't see it as as much of uh, an immediate need just because they made a significant improvement last year. But if yeah. but if you know, if for instance a uh, I mean we we've heard about Mecky Beckton, he might fall because of some things going on. Uh, but if someone like a Josh Jones or an Isaiah Wilson is there at 33, what are you going to do? Yeah, and that's the thing, right? They liked Michael Jordan. He didn't play that well. He, everyone played better the final stretch of the season. So, uh, you know, that there is part of that, and he's included in that. Michael Jordan, even Billy Price played a little bit better the final few weeks when he did play. Uh, Fred Johnson, add him in there. He played... It, you know, two games and he was flawless in pass protection. They didn't allow one hit, one pressure, one sack, but he wasn't really blocking anyone of significance when he was doing so. Uh, even Bobby Hart played, had his best four-game stretch, maybe six-game stretch yeah. of his career to end the season. So I think they may look at it and say, okay, Xavier Suofilo, also they, they signed him, who, who has never been really good, but is coming off his best year and is a really good pulling blocker. And you remember the Bengals doing all those those pitches from shotgun yes, to the right, right back. I think they want Suofilo running out there and blocking for Mixon because he's mm. a good athlete. He's a former left tackle, tested really well. Um, so I think they could look at it and say, we've got five guys, and if not, we've got guys that can compete. If Billy Price wants to compete with Jordan or Suofilo, that's fine. They even liked Alex Redmond for the, the, the small time Jim Turner had him. He just seems like a Jim Turner kind of guy. Right. Uh, and then Fred Johnson and Bobby Hart, you let them compete, and maybe Fred Johnson beats them and plays like he did last year, and you get Jonah Williams back, they probably feel much better about the line then they should. They should not feel that good about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, because the, Joe the, Burrow. there's a lot of buts and maybes there. Yeah, yeah. Roll the dice on, or flip a coin on four guys that you're hoping take another step. Yeah, right. If, yeah. if you land on heads twice, you're happy, right? Yeah. And, and Or whatever whatever you call it, heads or tails. Point being, <laughs> you get two of them, you're like, great. Well, that means two other spots are still poor. So you got to figure it out at, at some point. you got to add talent to it. You've got to get more people here. And that's why I think you can get slapped in the face with the best player available at 33, and it's an offensive lineman. Whether that be Josh Jones, who I think is a top 25-ish guy, or Isaiah Wilson, who I think is a top 40-ish guy. And I think Cesar Ruiz, interior offensive lineman out of, out of Michigan, probably should go top 35 or 40 as well. And all those guys represent significant upgrades in some form or fashion, whether that's um, talent level or production or, or, or just what you see on tape. And I think any of them could be the pick. We could get there, and it could be Friday, and we're debating this all day, and we go, guys, there's an offensive lineman still there, and you just drafted Joe Burrow, and your offensive line's been poor for three years. Don't you know? Don't overthink it. You yeah. may like the guys you have, but do the right thing. Um, Joe, just one thing. I mean, Randy Bullock had a good year last year. Uh, I think he stepped it up a bit. But just looking over the special teams prospects, I know Blankenship seems to sort of be the um, Rodrigo Bra- uh, Blankenship. What a name that is. But he seems to be sort of the consensus 
probably standout guy there. Is there, are there any kickers you'd be looking at? Would you consider yeah. taking one or are you happy with Randy? I think the number one guy is Tyler Bass out of Georgia Southern. And I got to see him at the senior bowl and my God, this guy kicks. He looks like he can hit 70 yards. He said that wow. when we talked to him after he's hit 65 plus routinely in practice, wow. they were, they were letting him do it. And the ball booms from his foot. It, I was catching some of them. It, it's hitting hard when it hits you. I'm like, this guy can, he can nail it. And he was good. And Rodrigo Blankenship was also there and Bass looked better than him. And, well, he, you look at his stats, and he's had some years where it's like, eh, it's just okay, and Georgia Southern too. Uh, but he was really, really good, and I think, you know, you're getting a weapon. He's he's probably a Jake Elliott where he's going to miss some, but he's going to be able to hit him from 60-plus on a game, you know, tying situation where you don't have a choice to either throw a Hail Mary or kick a field goal because you can't trust Randy Bullock to hit 57 yarders for the rest of his life. But uh, I, I think someone like that in the fifth, sixth round, sure, I would love to. It's an upgrade for an offense that's – I think the plan is to score points, right, guys? I mean, eventually they got to get back to the point where they're scoring points, and part of it is not punting or not going into bad fourth-down situations and being able to have a weapon as a kicker, and that's something they don't have, even if Randy Bullock is a fairly accurate kicker. Um, We're going to wrap this up in a minute, Joe. Uh, We can't thank you enough for the time, as per usual. Uh, But I always ask this. uh, You're really good at picking up late-round sleepers, you know, those guys that... Uh, people like to roll the dice on, take a chance on some prospects that need a lot of work. But in the past, you've chosen some doozies. So this year, who are your late round sleepers? I mean, are there any tight ends you'd pick up? Any more kind mm. of uh, any depth on the defensive line, some rushes or a three technique? Uh, who are you looking at a little bit deeper? Yeah, since you mentioned tight end, I, I flipped to that page real quick to see what I've got there. And Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech. Dalton Keene is a very, or I should say, a, a decently athletic guy that tested very well. In the 93rd percentile, he tested, ran a 4.71. Um, PFF really likes him too. His production scores are really high. And when I look at him on tape, they used him mostly as like in screens and, and getting out in space and letting him run. And, man, he looked like a running back at times, making guys miss and, and turning short yardage into uh, decent gains. I really like Dalton Keene if we're talking sixth, seventh-round pick at mm. tight end. Uh, there's a few other guys that I think that are, are sleepers at corner. And, and maybe the Bengals take a corner. I think, yeah, they signed two guys. But who's there for 2021 and beyond mm. currently? Mm. It's only Trey Waynes. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, one-year deal. William Jackson's in the final year of his deal. I'm sure we can count Darius Phillips, but uh, they seem to have – uh, added competition for him so how much can we actually like philip so uh, a couple other guys that i think come out i'm he's gonna go way higher but amik robertson out of uh, louisiana tech is a nickel guy that is just super feisty at 5 8 and like 185 and he there's a play in particular you see it on the internet uh, you see it on Twitter. It, he punks Colin Johnson of Texas. Colin Johnson's a six-six wide receiver, and Amik Robertson in his five-foot-eight self comes up to compress him and just demolishes him at the line. Doesn't let him off the line of scrimmage at all, and almost intercepts a pass. And you go, "Oh my God, this guy doesn't know he's small at all." And I think right. he could go in the third round. He grades super high for us. Uh, and maybe the Bengals don't start drafting corners in the third round, but if he did and it was Meek Robertson, I'd be very happy. Another guy I really like that's maybe a fifth, sixth, seventh round at corner is Reggie Robinson out of Tulsa. And Robinson is 6'1", 205, so he's got good size to him. And he ran a 4'4'4 at the four, in the 40, 
Um, for me, he grades up really high because of ball skills. I that's something I value the most at corner. Right. And when there's so there's so many clips where you watch him downfield, and I can't tell who's the receiver and who's the corner because he's playing it better than the receiver is. And I think when that happens, quarterbacks stop throwing at that guy very quickly. And so we're talking about a guy that's probably there day three. And if the Bengals want a corner that can develop as an outside boundary guy, I think he'd be a great pick. Okay, Nathan, have you got anything else to ask, Joe? No, I think that's all good. It's fascinating insight. Um, it certainly whet my appetite even more so for Thursday. Well, Joe, thank you so much for the time again. Um, it's lovely to talk to you. Glad to hear that everybody is safe and well over there in the Goodbury household. And, mate, and thank you for all the work that you do. I mean, it really, I, I just don't know how you and Jake do a daily podcast. I really don't. Uh, Me either. It's, it's, <laughs> right. <laughs> and all your draft stuff is fantastic. So thank you for the work. And... Um, how about we get together in 2021? Let's do it. Thank you, guys. All right. Cheers, Fantastic. Joe. Fantastic. Thanks, Joe, mate. Right. Well, that was Joe Goodbury. Uh, again, thank you so much to Joe. We do enjoy having him on, and and uh, it's been really fun to see his progress uh, over the years. Uh, and now, look at him. He's he's. I'm lucky enough to have known him for seven, eight years now. And uh, look at him now. He's writing for The Athletic. He's... Uh, Locked on Bengals superstar, you know, no one can do anything without asking him his approval on the internet. It must be insane. You sound like you're a proud father there, Sam. I am. I, I'm, a, I'm a proud older brother, I, th- I think. But no, seriously, it's, it has been cool. You know, it's always nice to see good people do well in life. And uh, I think Joe is one of those people. Uh, but he said lots of interesting things there. Anything that you uh, were most interested in? Anything that you really picked up on there, Nathan? I think the um, the detailed analysis of the two linebackers, Queen and Murray, was very interesting and well, well broken down. I think, you know, in my mind, there'd be two people that I'd be very, very interested in taking uh, at 33. I don't think they'll be there. I think they'll probably go mm. uh, in the first round. But very interesting sort of insight as to what he thinks of both of those guys. Um, some of the late round sleepers are always interested to see, to see where their names get called further down. I think the wide receiver thing is going to be interesting. I mean, I was fairly sort of you know downplaying the need for wide receiver I, I do understand that you know we, it's risky sort of trying to guarantee people's health um but then i don't necessarily think you know what's happened in the past should dictate what you do today because injuries are random unless you know something's chronic unless you know there's a problem with aj green which you know they've just got on franchise tagged him and paid him a lot of money so you don't you know you think not I just think that to invest a pick at 33 on a guy that, if everyone is healthy, probably won't play at all, or you know, very sparingly, could be a bit of a waste of you know a 33rd pick where you, you know it's basically a first rounder um, when you've got a rookie quarterback and other quite glaring needs. So, not sure about that, but you know, as he said, it's a deep wide receiver class. There's some good players available. Um, and there'll be good players there at 33 should we want to take them. But, yeah, great interview. Really, really good insight. And I especially like the Tyler Bass bit at the end. That's, uh, yeah. I'll look out and see where that guy goes. Absolutely. Right. Uh, we asked, uh, before me and Nathan give you our favourite players and picks and names to look out for, uh, we asked our followers on Twitter to tell us who they quite like uh, the Bengals to pick um, next week. Uh, Jarno Savolainen at Jarno Sawo, would love to see Murray to slide to the second round. He is just an alpha dog. Uh, starter since day one in Oklahoma. Great character and leader. Any chance? Well, I think there is a chance, but 
we will see. I think it's very, as Nathan said, very fringy. He could go in the first, or he could just maybe drop into that second round. Moz at Moza92. Only guy I've not seen mentioned who I like is Kalija Lipscomb as a UD pick. LB's likely to be there at round 3-4. Seemed great value, and uh, like Die, Gay Jr., uh, Akeem Davis Gaither, Tega, Wanogo, round four would be nice. And unless Mims, Higgins, Ayak, or a Beckham at their 33, I hope we trade down. Yeah, I think I think that trade down narrative. I mean, Joe, like, you know, Dave Lapham said it. We've been saying it. Joe Goodbury's just said it. I think there's a very high chance. But it will all depend on who is there. If you get a really good player, like if a Kenneth Murray is there, you know, you really need a linebacker or you know, like. Mims or Higgins or someone like that that is there that you're like, Cole, we cannot miss out on that guy. If there's not one of those players there, I think almost certainly the Bengals, they'll be fielding a lot of phone calls from teams and I think that there's a very strong, possibly even more than 50% chance that they'll be moving down uh, maybe like 5, 10, 12 spots. John Plymeyer at uh, Plymeyer 98 and out of the box guy I'd love for them to take in the fourth, if he is there, is Lynn Bowden from Kentucky, the wide receiver. The guy is a special kind of athlete and could be used all over the field. With the ball in his hands, he makes plays and almost single-handedly saved Kentucky's season. Simon Hunter at Simon Hunter underscore. Hello, Simon. Uh, I'm more keen to see them move around and acquire more picks than see them pick specific players or positions. This draft seems deep and we need help. Hopefully those first picks of the days help us. Uh, Greg Luther, uh, Gregor09, round two options. Wide receivers, Mims, Jefferson, Higgins, uh, OL, uh, offensive line rather, uh, Wilson, Jones, linebacker, Murray, Queen and Brooks. Some names that we've been mentioning there. Killian at Malloy underscore double zero. 33, I think we could trade. All depends if there is anyone worth taking. I'd like to see us again a little more... Uh, sorry, gain a little more capital than the seven picks we've got. I would try to take an O-line in the middle rounds if possible. I would try to go tight end or if a good edge rusher if one drops in later rounds. Um, Max Weidenborner at Maxman248. Uh, definitely need to address uh, linebacker post Burrow. Would like them to look at KJ Hill from Ohio State as a wide receiver in later rounds. Um, Martin Greer at Martin Greer 73. I'll be content with Burrow, then sit back and relax Friday and Saturday. Who day? Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Sean Whitehead at Sean Whitehead underscore at 33. I would like Josh Jones from Houston. Good chance he will be there. If they go wide receiver, then I hope Mims is there. Round three, I would take Willie Gay. Perfect for what we need. My two lower down the draft is Charles from LSU. If we don't go Jones at 33. And Josiah Degara from the University of Cincinnati. The tight end. Um, uh, and Sean also adds... Uh, the more I look into Queen and, uh, Murray and Queen, the more I think we should wait until round three. Murray is an alpha and great character, but not great against the run. And Queen is a better off-ball linebacker. If we can strengthen the O-line and then get a gay or ADG in round three. God, we've got a lot of correspondence. Uh, Thomas at Thomas 
935582299. Sorry, Thomas, you're not going to win any solid handles with that one, I don't think. That sounds like a, like a robot, that does. I know. <laughs> he says, Willie Gay, Netain, Mooty, T. Higgins are guys I like. Good. Thank you, Thomas. Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger. Lads, I feel the team has addressed the defence as much as they can in free agency, and I think that's telling and going to help Burrow out on offence right away. I think the second pick will be an offensive lineman or wide receiver and think it'll either be A. Jackson or Mims. I'd favour Jackson than Mims. I think we're almost there. Here we are. We're finished. Uh, lots of correspondence, so thank you so much. And keep, as I say, keep chatting to us on Twitter and Facebook. We are at Hooday underscore UK on Twitter and Bengals UK on Facebook. We've got lots of stuff coming up to the draft. We've got mini natters, uh, instant reaction uh, on Friday morning, Saturday morning and Sunday morning after the draft. We've got some video stuff coming up. We've got an amazing special guest on the 27th. Now, uh, this is another lengthy podcast, Nathan. Um, should we go through, you know, what we think, if anybody Can, can really I just cares. say quickly, go on. Is, is you, are you winding me up at the minute? What? How has there not been any solid handles for three weeks? <laughs> I know. Like, this don't is a blame me. What's happened? Ever since this stupid lockdown, there's not been one solid handle. And I think they're related somehow. You think they're just doing it literally to wind you up? I don't know. I, I, I'm not happy anymore. Like I've, One week, I thought, that was quite funny. It's the first time in, like, 75 podcasts there's yeah. not been one. Second one, you're like, hang on a minute. Three weeks, not one solid handle. Well, I, I, I mean, think the handles are getting worse. Sam. You're going to have to have a stern word with people. I think. I'm thinking of packing it all in after this. To be honest, really, like, just it's just it's just you know you're so decimated. Dis- yeah, I, I can feel I can feel you know the wind has gone out of your sails because the solid handles were some of the most enjoyable parts of the podcast for you, weren't they? I, I quite enjoyed you know when you like a funny sort of you know someone that's put some great effort into you know put, uh, creating their Twitter handle. It just adds a bit of oomph to the exactly. to the question or the comment, you know. But Absolutely. Um no, okay. a few deep breaths over here, Sam. I know. Don't it's all right, man. It's all right. I know the lockdown is yeah. upsetting and the lack of solid handles, but um It's okay, man. It's okay. Um right, come on then, give me some names who you like. Who are you gonna draft at thirty three if they're there? What would be I your think- top preference? Cesar Ruiz, I think, if we're going offensive line, I think he'd be really good. From what I've heard, read, seen of him, he looks like a really sort of, you know, feisty sort of guy that's going to upgrade the offensive line. I think offensive line, for me, would be the priority. Um, I think if you're getting Burrow, as we said with Joe Goodbury on the podcast, I am worried about the offensive line still. I know you've got Jonah Williams coming back and... You know, you've got a few other guys, you know, that Suofilo that you brought in, who's sort of an average sort of guy, basically, you know, the complete replacement for John Miller. I think you still got to upgrade it. And I think that, you know, obviously we're not going there with the first pick. I think I'd be really concerned leaving it until, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth round. We're probably not going to get anyone else in free agency, probably not going to trade for an established starter. I really, really think that we need to go and get someone. If there's a Cesar Ruiz there, I know Josh Jones, people are talking about from Houston. I think he'd be a good pick as well. If we're going for something sexy, if you want, I mean, it's never that sexy going offensive line, but if you're going for, you know, a sort of skill position, so to say, I, I think T. Higgins, if he was there, would be fantastic value um, from Clemson. I think he'd be great. 
Um, but yeah, they're, they're my sort of thoughts. I think Kenneth Murray would be great. I think if he fell there, I think he'd be ex- uh, extremely good value. I don't think he will, but I think he'd be good value. Uh, I know a few people got questions about him and Queen, but again, I think linebacker is a position of need. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think I'm think I'm going to go. With, uh, I'm going to well. I think I'm going to leave linebacker, who, even if Queen and Murray are there, um, until round three. And I'm, it's a toss-up for me, but because again, it's. I think if you if if there's a Denzel Mims there at 33, or T Higgins there, who's my one of my favourites, I'd take him. And bec- only because I think that is genuine first-round talent. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. I think we need someone like that to really, because you just don't know what's going to happen. And I think that de- there's more depth in the linebacking position than there is elite wide receiver. Now there are a ton of really good players at wide receiver, but as Joe said, a load of them are slot receivers. I want a, a genuine outside threat w- with speed, good hands the whole package and i think you get that from the top of uh round two if if there's a run on receivers then i'm looking at offensive line um and i've got a couple of sleepers i like uh you know maybe offensive line later on as well robert hunt's pretty good john simpson the guard i like um and i also like the tight end colby parkinson um, so I think there are some pass-catching tight ends later in the draft. One player I must mention that our own Andrew Dockerell, who's been doing some fantastic mock drafts for us on our blog, bengalsuk.wordpress.com. Go and have a look. Um, he loves uh, and evangelises about Antonio Gibson. And I'm on that train. I'm on the Gibson train. I think he's a sensational uh, player out of the backfield. He's big, he's strong, he's really quick. I think he would add a bit of an X factor to our team. So watch out for Antonio Gibson. But yeah, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a wide receiver or a, uh, an offensive lineman in the second round, and I'm going someone like uh, a Willie Gay uh, or an Akeem Davis Gaither, and also maybe another linebacker later on in in the draft as well. Yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised at all to see um, two linebackers come out of there. I think it's interesting for the Bengals. So they're quite, there are really, I mean, you never want to just be forced into drafting, um, you know, people in a certain position. You want to always try and go best player available. But you do get the sense for the Bengals that there are quite a lot of positions that do still need to be filled. Like you always said, the offensive line, we've said linebacker. I think they probably need a tight end. We're talking about wide receiver. and I mean, that is indicative of a team that, you know, still has quite a lot of holes across the board. And, you know, not to continually bring this up, but we did only win two games last year. Granted, there was injuries, but... You know, as Simon Hunter said on his um, on his uh, comment, you know that we there are a lot of positions that need filling, and if we can trade back and you know pick up a few extra picks for people that can sort of challenge for roster positions, I think that'd be definitely welcomed. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned edge rusher. Uh, we haven't even mentioned defensive uh, interior defensive line. I think that we could do with a, a little bit of boost up from them. So look out for that. You know. As you said, there are there are quite a few things that we need, um, uh, and some are more pressing than others. You know, you know, linebacker to me is still the most pressing need, and if you're going to go needs, it would be linebacker, offensive line, I think. Uh, but as Joe Joe said, you know, 
what what if there's a cornerback sitting there and the, yeah, yeah. you know so i don't know i this is the moment that i get really excited all the talking is now pretty much over um and now it's time for some action and i'm all ready for it nathan yeah, I mean, let's. I mean, obviously, you know, we. I think this has gone on for a long time now. And we've talked about this guy a lot, but Joe Burrow. Every week, we've been doing our Joe Burrow meter. Um, the barometer. Where, the barometer. Hey, hey. Barometer. Trust you to think up a nice, good name for that, son. Eh? I am saying now, with four days to go, this is the last time you'll hear us nattering on about, you know, Joe Burrow. We've been talking about it for what seems like what probably nine months now, haven't we? It's been a long old, yeah. uh, long old time. And we we were quite, you know, I was quite sort of, uh, we we were pretty good at not kind of talking about Joe Burrow as much as the other people, really. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we timed yeah, it we, quite nicely, actually. Yeah, we were very much focused on like trying to win some games last year, which you know was, was tough at times. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm going with ninety eight and a half percent. I think that you never know. There's always that sort of element of someone could just come out of an outrageous offer that you know defies logic and stuff. But I think all the signals coming out of Cincinnati, uh, all the media talking heads are talking about it being done, and I think that. I, I'm saying 98.5% that, you know, by the time we you hear our voices on the next podcast that Joe Burrow will be in stripes. Well, we it's almost there, Nathan. I can almost, I can certainly smell it and um, I can almost touch it. It's that close. Um, What's it smell like, Sam? It smells a little bit mustardy, like fried onions at the moment. <laughs> I thought it was positive. I well, it is. Was... I love the smell of fried onions, man. They're very Moorish, and it sort of leads you to the oh, the, the burger van. Joe Burrow sure. is the burger van, and the fried onions are the smell of the draft. How about that <laughs> for a metaphor? Um, <laughs> listen, guys, thank you so much for listening to our draft episodes. Uh, I hope you found them enjoyable and educational. And, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, those people that don't kind of live the draft like like Joe and other people, Andrew Dockerall and Sam Andrew and Pete Danswell and Liam Corlett, our very own sort of draft guys. Um, I hope you found them fun and, and informative. Uh, we'll be back next week with three mini natters on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Watch out for some video stuff and a mega guest on Monday the 27th. So with that, be cool, be safe, enjoy the draft, and it's a who day from me. And it's a who day from me. Cheers, guys. Views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.